Amen. Thanks, Lord. What a time of worship. What a time of connecting with the Lord. Friends, um, it's a privilege to, to be together as a spiritual family, like always. I just want to share with you, Mike is not here this morning. He is in Maputo with our Every Nation Church Bar that is happening over there, along with Wesley and Yali da Silva that's leaving the church bar over there. Uh, he's spending time with them there, and that is, that's who we are as a church. You know, we are here because of Every Nation Twine that planted us here, that saved us here, and that's always part of us, praying with us, building with us, and that's the same that we're doing, helping every nation of Hutu, helping every nation in Babana, it's what we as well. And it's all about planting churches, it's all about more people coming to know who Jesus is, and hearing about the gospel, and being discipled into a living, loving relationship with God, so that they can do the same with the next generation. So that is where Mike is today, and can't wait to hear some testimonies when he comes back about what's happening with our family there. Now friends, we are continuing with our series called Abide, the power and beauty of God's word. Now as every nation churches across the globe, this is our theme for this year. And it's also been our focus in our week of prayer, fasting and consecration a couple of weeks back. But may we be a people that really knows what it means to abide in the word of God. Now the word abide means to remain on something stable. To remain stable on something specific or to continue forward in a specific place it sounds contrasting but it's to walk forward to continue while you are fixating yourself on one certain thing that is unchangeable and maybe be a people that stays stable on the word of god maybe be a people that continues forward from a place where the word of god stays our foundation where the Word of God stays our strength, and where the Word of God stays the one and only truth that we live by. Can we declare that as a church? Can we declare that as individuals in our lives? That the Word of God is the one thing that we will abide in, that we will stay stable on, that we will stay fixated on through everything, anything that we go through, through every trial, through every tribulation, and through every celebration. May we fixate ourselves. Stay stable and remain on the word of God. Now, last week, Mike preached on how the word sets us free and how when God touches us with his word, what happens is he makes us his sons and daughters, he makes us whole, and he makes us free. And friends, from a place of abiding in the freedom that God has given us, what happens then is as we abide ourselves in Jesus and as we experience this freedom, He starts using your life to impact the people around you. In, in essence, what happens is you start bearing fruit because of what Jesus is doing in your life. And that's what we're going to focus on today. It's the word bears fruit. The word bears fruit. Now when it comes to the word abide, when you hear the word abide, there's a scripture of all scriptures that we all know very well, and that is John chapter 15 about the vine and the branches. We've all heard of that. We've all have heard of sermon on it once in our life. We've all explained it to someone. We've all seen pictures about it. But John chapter 15 is full, full of abides in there in that scripture. The first eight verses that we'll be reading today already has abide mentioned eight times in from verse 1 to 8. That means on average one abide per verse. 
So Jesus seriously understood something about what it means to abide in him that we have yet to understand. So we're going to jump into John chapter 15 from verse 1 to 8. And we're going to read it because I did share the notes on um, the WhatsApp group as well. But it will be here as well so you can read with us from verse 1. I am the true vine. Okay, so before I go on, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is Jesus having a moment of teaching with his disciples. And this is a John recorded it and wrote it down. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. Already you are full because of the word that I have spoken. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in me, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. So friends, this passage focuses on the vineyard image. And for the people at, uh, at that time, Israel, the Jews there, it was a very familiar image to them. Because that was part of their daily life. That is part of their economy. The vineyards that they, that they produced. So Jesus was speaking to them in a way that they could understand. In a way that he's close to home to them. He's giving this image of a vineyard producing grapes with the vine and the branches hanging on the, on the, on the vines. And what is interesting is this was Jesus' last peaceful moment of teaching, impartation, and prayer with his disciples. Yes, he did speak to them a couple of times after that, but this is the last time that he sat with his disciples as a rabbi and taught them before he was um, captured and crucified. So it's interesting that this is what Jesus chooses to teach his disciples in the last peaceful moment that he has with them, teaching them and praying with them. And there's something that he wanted them to understand here. Because you know, all of his life, walking with his disciples, he's been preparing them for the moment that he's going to be, be, be taken away and crucified and leave this earth. So he's been preparing them that he is going to leave soon. And here Jesus describes, in John chapter 15, he describes the continuing relationship that the disciples will have after he has gone. The continuing relationship that we will have after he has gone. So there's something we need to understand about abiding in the vine. And as you read the scripture, we see there are four main elements in this imagery. The first one is the vine. The second one we read of is the vine dressing. We read about the branches. And lastly, of course, we read about the fruit. The vine, the vine dressing, the branches, and the fruit. Now, I'm going to look a little bit at these um, separately. And the first thing we're going to look at is the vine and the branches. And I'm so excited because I asked Linda to bring me a mulberry tree branch from home. I don't have any fruit trees at home. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love mulberries. Wood bait, I think. Okay, I'm not swearing at a church service, it's all the wood bait. 
I promise. In Afrikaans. But this is a mulberry tree branch. And when I was a kid, I used to love mulberries. I used to come up in the tree to uh, get leaves for my silkworms. I don't know how many of you share that memories. And while I'm up there, I would get a couple of berries, stick them in the mouth. My mom used to be really mad at me because it stains, you know, the purple stains all over my clothes, all over my hands, all over my mouth, eating those mulberries. So I love mulberries. It's a childhood memory. And I'm very excited because Linda bought me this brass and then go home. I'm going to put it on the counter in my kitchen. And I don't know when the season is, but maybe in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, I might get some mulberries that I can eat. All right. I'm excited. No. Why not? Why can't this work? This branch is removed from the tree. There's no light running through it. How can it bear fruit? How can it bear mulberries from the tree? And it's not going to grow. It's got no life. It's got no fruit. It's got no purpose. Like the scripture says, you might as well just throw it away and burn it. I think that's one good thing that it can do. It can burn at least. It can maybe add to, which is not going to do much, but it might add to a little bit of coal. Until it is dry, you can't use it now. But its only purpose is it can be burned. There's nothing you can do with it. It's of no use. So why do we think we can live like this? Why do we think we can live disconnected from the vine, from our source of life? Because what the vine does, what this, what the the, uh, the tree does, the stem of the tree, what it does is it gives the nutrients and the water that is collected from the roots and it pushes it through and from the vine it is put, it, it's put into the branches and it enables the branches to have these lush greens, uh, green leaves, to have the fruit, the juicy fruit that we see, that stains our faces purple. But it's the life is in the vine. And what we do is we think we can have this sort of a life even if we are disconnected from it. Why do we think that? Why do we do that? The vine is the means of life for the branches. And how Jesus starts this imagery is he says, I am the true vine. And when Jesus says it, then I'm going to believe it. I am the true vine. He then later in verse 5 says, As the branch cannot be fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me. So God is, Jesus is telling us that his disciples, but he isn't telling us that we should abide in what? Abide in a moral code? Abide in the list of do's and don'ts? Abide in a religion? No, he's telling us to abide in a person. He's telling us to abide in the person of Jesus Christ. And listen to this earlier in, in the book of John, John, verse, uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, abiding in God's word, the word of God, the Bible that we have, abiding in God's word is abiding in Jesus, the living word of God. So we've got the privilege of having a word, having a Bible, which is Jesus, I want to say, reincarnated as the word, 
as the truth, as the voice, the primary voice of God, the way that speaks to us. The body in the word is abiding in Jesus, the living word of God. What is also interesting is why does Jesus say, the true God? I am the true God. Not just I am the one, I'm the true one. This indicates to us that there might be other false sources of life, other vines that we try to attach ourselves onto. Doesn't mean that you are not connected to the one true vine who is Jesus, but we try to connect ourselves to multiple vines. Yes, I want Jesus to be the source of my life, I want to be nurtured by Jesus, but I also want sustenance from other sources of life. I want sustenance. This thing is just throw it on the ground. I want sustenance from other vines. I want to stay connected to Jesus. I want to I want the eternal life that Jesus gives us. Because that will cost us to get there. But I want to get my success and my significance from my business. I want this eternal life of Jesus. I don't want to get my acceptance and my approval from my friends. Or maybe a bottle of wine. I want this eternal life that Jesus offers and all the goodness that goes with it. But I want to get love and affirmation from immoral relationships, even though I know it's destroying you. I want this what Jesus offers His nurturing, His love, His provision. But I want to get my security from my own efforts at trying to stay alive and keep going. It's all about what I can put in, then I'll have a good life. No friends, all of these things we get from them with the one true mind, and that is Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, that took everything upon himself when he hung on the cross. And these other things, which is an important aspect of life, your business, your relationship, all of that. God may be glorifying that, but all those things flow from a place where you get your acceptance, your significance, and all of those other needs that we have. We get it from God Himself, from the true vine that pushes all these nutrients, all these water into these branches, and then that is just the fruit of you staying in the vine. That is not your focus. That is an outflow of staying in the vine of Jesus. Your business and what happens there is an outflow of staying in the vine. Where have we tried to attach ourselves to multiple vines? And I think if we were to assess yourself, just think of a, of a specific aspect in your life. Do you see life there? Do you see growth there? And do you see purpose that goes beyond just yourself? Or do you see purpose that points back to the honor of God in that aspect of your life? Do you attach yourself to multiple ones? Or is Jesus really the true vine in your life? And then he takes us to the vine dresser, the gardener, the one that's in charge, the one that's responsible for caring for the, for the vines, by nurturing it and pruning it. Now this is very interesting to me because this just shows how Jesus is submitted to the work of, of his father. You know, he's the one, he's the one that we all attach to. But God is the one who said, he's the one that comes and he, he's in charge, he controls everything, he's responsible for making sure in what direction the vine grows and what direction the branches grows and what fruit they bear. But he's the one in control. 
Jesus said nothing when he was was walking with his disciples. Nothing he said was something that was from himself. It was given by God. And he even says that himself as well. And the goal of this wine chase, the goal of this garden that is in control of the of the vines, is to help make the branches bear fruit. The vine dresser, the vine dresser focuses on making the branches bear fruit. And if you have a garden and the thing that he, that he does to make sure that this that, that this tree will bear fruit is he cultivates it, he protects it, and he proves it. And just in such a way, God is cultivating us. He's giving us nourishment. When we get into the Word of God, He nourishes us. We read about His promises. We read about His words. We read about the people that has gone before us and the testimonies that they have. We are nourished. We are encouraged. We read about the disciplines of, of being a disciple of Jesus. We read about the foundations that we build our lives on, like meeting together with other believers, like reaching out to the lost, like having faith in God. We read about these things and it gives us nourishment. It makes us grow spiritually. So what he does is he cultivates us. And then he adds fertilizer to our life in such a way. When we abide in the word of God. But what he also does is he protects us. He protects us. By, by um, keeping us from harm of external elements. And it makes me think of, I've got spack wormies at home. Now, that's the best word for it, is a spack worm. I know these are also called even called the spackle, but there are other names like the, the elephant bush or the fork bush. Um, I'm just going to speak about spackle, but I've got two spackles that, that I thought they were very small. And suddenly they just bombed out. They are these massive little spackle now. And when the weeds come, and the rains come, they just fall down. And I have to just try to make them stand up again if they grow in the right direction because their stems are not strong enough, so they're just keep falling down. So what I had to do is I had to take a, a, a little wooden pole and dry it in next to the, uh, the, the stem and tie it to, the, to this pole so they can keep right up. So when the wind comes, they do bend a little bit, but they don't break it like they used to in the, in the beginning. And I think that's what God does when He protects us. He pushes this pole next to us and make sure that we, we will bend when the storms may come, and sometimes we are going to bend. But He protects us so that we don't break. That's the work of the garden. That's His promise. He protects us. And lastly, the difficult one, He prunes us. He prunes us. And pruning is not nice because it involves cutting off. But God, as the vine knows that pruning is necessary for greater, greater fruitfulness. Remember the goal of the vine is so the branches will bear more fruit. So if He knows that we're going to bear more fruit when He prunes us, He's going to prune us. There's two ways that He prunes us. The first way is He is cutting away dead wood that can breed diseases and insects. Parasite. You know, there's all wood that is still on this branch. Branches that has died off and it's peeps there. You know, the termites start coming in, parasites start coming in. And what God does is He comes and He, he cuts off those old wood that is not necessary anymore. Because what it does, it just leads to more instruction, destruction. Because the pests and the diseases will start there and they will go into the living parts of the, uh, of the bush. So God cuts off those areas that are dead wood. 
He's guiding us and turning us through His Word. But if we turn away from our old selves, if we turn away from the old practices that we used to, to, to do, turn away from our sins, to let go of things that cause us destruction in our life, and that's way, one way He proves us. The second way He proves us is He cuts away the living tissue so that the life of the vine can be directed in a certain direction where He wants it to go and that the quality of the crop is better. Now with that stack monkeys again, that example of me, what I had to do, what I started to do, is because the stems were still um, very weak, they like pushing out branches there at the bottom, you know, and just on the ground. And it never gives enough time for that stem to grow strong and become a, a good piece of, I don't know what you call it, but the, the foundation that goes into the ground that is strong, sandy, that, that they don't need to fall. So what I had to do is, I had to, when those little branches at the bottom come down, I have to prune it, I have to cut it off. So all the nutrients, all the water is pushed into the stem and to the parts that really matter. Not these branches at the bottom that I don't need, that, that, that it's just making the thing fall, fall the whole time. So even if it looks like this green fruit-bearing branches that might be good in the future, it needs pruning for a bigger reason than we understand now. God is directing our lives in direction where He knows it's going to bear more fruit if He prunes us in that direction. Because friends, He is God Almighty. He's the one that created you. So He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows a plan for your life better than you can ever imagine. And it's a good plan. It's a good plan because He loves you. So that's how God proves us. And it's not easy. He's cutting away things that seem fruitful to the human eye. But He hinders the fullness of growth and the potential to bear more fruit and to bear lasting fruit. But what I want you to remember here is John 15 verse 2 says, Every branch that does bear fruit, He proves. That it may be more fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit. So if you're experiencing God pruning you in a season, it means you are already bearing fruit. He just wants you to bear more. How encouraging. He's pruning you because you are already bearing fruit. But He wants you to bear more. He's destined you for more than you understand right now. Allow Him to be God. Allow Him to be the Bible, to be the God of your life. And friends, I can tell you what, what happens in pruning is there's a deeper level of intimacy with God that you experience because it comes up close and personal into your life. You know, He has to go around all the other branches to get to you and finally get His face close to you to see where to come correctly. He comes up and close, up close and personal into your life when He proves you. And that is a beautiful thing to behold. And this almost leads me to think that this is what Jesus means when he says, Abide in him and he abides in you. It's almost like God is abiding in you by coming up close and personal into your life. He's an intimate, personal, relational God. He's never meant to sit at the back and just see, okay, how is this man doing his life? He wants to get involved. He comes up close and personal. And I want to share a quick testimony of story of my life. And I'm going to be brave in sharing this this morning. And I want, you, I want to allow you, I want you to allow me 
to be vulnerable before you. Um, so last year, through a couple of incidents, I realized that I was still looking for acceptance and approval from friends, from people that I believe God placed in my life. And I was looking for acceptance from them because of something that happened when I was in grade 8, when I was in high school. You know, I had many friends. I, I'm one of those guys who, you know, those who know me know that I, I enjoy spending time with people. I, most of the things I do, I do because I know I'm going to have time spending with, with friends, building relationships. And one day when I was in grade 8, and I had a lot of friends, it was Friday, I went home, and some, somewhere in that weekend, my closest friends decided in some way that they're going to gonna drop me. They're just going to not be my friends anymore. So I don't know what the reason was, but I came to school that Monday, and not one of my first friends I had said hello to me. They didn't, they, it's, it's like I never existed. They just decided they're not going to be my friend anymore. And it was for a while that I was alone. And it took me a while to really, to really process what's going on. And I never, I still don't know what happened. I still don't know why, what was the decision. But there was hurt that happened in my heart that I didn't realize that the time was happening. And I came through that. And later in high school, I met a lot of friends. You know, good people, great friends. And in university as well. And then when I gave my heart to the board, and also I met a lot of um, you know, brothers in Christ, people that God added in my life. But what I didn't realize is what I do with my closest relationships. I start wanting acceptance and approval from these people. And last year, a couple of incidents where someone, one of my close friends, would say something or react in a way that made me immediately feel rejected again, which was never their intention. But I was reacting out of a place of hurt. And I would, I would pick up rejection. And what happens is it, it just takes this relationship and it's, it's uncomfortable. It down spirals and it's not honoring God at all in the end. And I can tell you that I could see the, the relationships that I build with people, how God is really, there's fruit, there is, it's fruit-bearing relationships. What these people mean in my life, you know, I love spiritual family, what we have here, God, God tasted this, He wants us to walk with people. And I know that it's not a purpose for us walking together as a family. Praying for each other, having faith when your friend does not have faith, having faith for the person. So I've really seen the fruit out of it. And I've heard people come to me, some of my friends that will come to me, and they'll just tell me how much I made in their lives and their relationship with God. And, and I give God the honor for that. So there was already fruit in that. But there was things that was holding back. His old wood that was causing diseases and parasites and stuff that I wasn't aware of but it was still in my life that God wants to cut away. And I explained it to people last year that it's like God takes his, his finger and he goes to a wound and he presses his finger. Put a hold the right medicine on his finger. He presses his finger on that wound and he is sore. It hurts like nothing, like no one's business. It hurts. He presses on that wound. But it's to him. He's pruning it. He's coming up close and personal, trying to heal his things. But he's holding back 
from me bearing more fruit than I could understand in that moment. And I'm not going to tell everything, um, you know, the journey that I walk with God and the things that He's that he taught me, the things that I've experienced, the conversations that I had with people you know, that was mentoring me through this as well. But last year was one of the most deepest and intimate years that I've ever had with the Lord. Because he came up close and personal with me and started cutting on with me. The most precious year that I had with the Lord. And I, I remember, I think I told Linda and Mike that when it started to get over, I was almost uh, bummed. I'm like, it was actually nice walking through these difficult things, revisiting the old sores and the old hurts because I never felt God so close in my life before. It's refreshing. It improves us. John Aldrich, the famous author, he writes, This deep, intimate union with Jesus is the source of all our healing and all our strength. All your healing, all your strength comes from this deep, intimate union with Jesus. There's a, a song that I recently heard. It's got beautiful lyrics. And this week it really blessed my heart again. It's by SEU Worship, and the song's name is Walk With You. And there's a, there's a line in the middle of the song that says, In my hiding and my bitterness, you repair my stubborn heart. With your grace, you cut right through my pride. You say, Child, I see more than your eyes do. Come take my hands and I'll show you. And then the final few lines of the song is almost like a response that we give back to God is even if I run from you, hide from you, reject all the things you do, it's never enough to disprove your love. God, how you rescued me, sheltered me, and loved me so willingly. I know you are someone I can trust. Jesus, my friend and my God. Friends, how beautiful these words. God loves you. He loves you. He wants to be intimately involved in your life. And even if it means he needs to prove you and walk with you and take his finger and press on those wounds, he wants to heal you. And I want to get us to the last important point is let's take, let's take a little bit of a look at the fruit. In this part it says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. Fruitfulness is a byproduct of you abiding in your mind. It's only a byproduct. Fruitfulness is a byproduct of your intimate living relationship that you have with God as you abide in His Word. The fruit that comes is only a byproduct. And when we speak about fruit, what's the fruit that we speak about? Righteousness. You, be, you becoming a son and a daughter of God. Me understanding something new about who God is and who I am in His plan. When I went through this time of pruning, that's the fruit that starts coming out. This righteousness, this knowing that I am in right standing with God. The transformation that happens in your life as you walk with God, that's the fruit that comes out of your life. And then also the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, that speaks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all fruits that, is, that, that are byproducts of you abiding in the one true God. Only byproducts. 
The bronze does not concern itself with what kind of fruit or how much fruit it bears. You, your only concern as the branch, is staying connected to the vine. It's abiding in the vine. The fruit that comes is up to God. And how much fruit comes is up to God. But you stay, you abide in the Lord, you abide in the Word, because that is that sustain, that's what sustains you. That's what gives you life. That's what gives you meaning. That's what gives you purpose. And that's what honors God. Because He created you to abide in the Word. And as you abide in the Word, in Jesus and the Word, the ultimate fruit that you as the branch produce is the life of the vine that can be seen in you. Because the fruit of the life, this lush green leaves and fruit, this juicy fruit, is nothing, it doesn't point back to your life as a branch, it points back to the life of the vine that is going into you. So the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful fruit that you carry is that people can see Jesus in your life and look at you. The life of the vine in you as the branch. They see the life of Jesus and look at you. The way you treat people, the way you love, the way you do your work, the way you walk through the most difficult, most heartbreaking times in your life. May all of them show people Jesus. The life of Jesus. That is the ultimate fruit. And have you ever thought, who benefits from fruit? Is it the person that carries it in the mouth? Is it the person that's eating the fruit? It's mostly the person that tastes the fruit. So what if the fruit that we bear is never actually really been about us? I want to read you scripture, the last verse in the scripture. It says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. It's always been, it's always been about God's purposes. It's always been about Him being glorified. It's always been about this fruit, our lives, affecting and impacting other people. That other people will see Jesus and other people will want that as well. Because it's a trap. That is vicious fruit. Those mulberries are like this ripe, deep purple wine. That's a trap. I want that. I want to eat this juice. People want more of that. Because they see the life in it. They see God in it. And all of us I've heard someone say that all of us are made with a, a, a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Or everyone of us was made in His image. And all of us desire, even if we don't know it, we desire things that only God can do. We desire His love. We desire His grace. We desire His love. Because we were made for that and for that only. So the fruit proves that we are His disciples. It's about people seeing Jesus, people coming to want to know more about Jesus, people giving their lives to Jesus. It's the greatest privilege that we have in our fruit is we are feeling a lost and dying world out there. That is why we are so apart from Jesus. And we can be sustained in order to get the fruit so that more people can come to know Jesus. What a privilege.
and that glorifies God as the scripture says. So I'm going to conclude and I want to ask you this question. Are you abiding in this pure life? Have you attached yourself to that little wise? Are you, are you looking for sustenance in other lives? Are you perhaps in a season of pruning? I want to encourage you to eat your very fruit. But God wants more. God wants more. That's why He's pruning you. Trust Him. Trust Him He's doing in your life. And when He proves you abide more, abide more in His word. As He gets up close and personal with you, get up close and personal back with you. Because He's a lot of power. Abide in Him. The more truth on as individuals, but also as a church, let's abide, let's remain in the Bible, in Jesus. Let's abide in His Word. Let's be a church that bears fruit. Let's be a people that bears fruit. Fruit that show, shows Jesus to the people around us. Fruit that shows that Jesus is alive in our lives. Giving Him the glory, but also reaching the lost and broken world. As they behold the fruit in our lives. Jesus in our lives.